0: One of the things that we all seek after every single day is peace. We all want it. Well, those who are sane want it. Those who are criminals and killers and murderers, all they want is mayhem. They don't desire peace. They are the disruptors of peace but civil-minded people people that have normal (laughs) acting minds we all want peace but with everything that's going on not just in the world but even in the united states of america is there can we have lasting peace is that even possible can we pursue that And can the government, can our politicians, our leaders, our legislators, our lawmakers, can they provide peace for us as a nation? And we should all know the answer to that by now. It's absolutely not. As a matter of fact, a lot of them are the purveyors of non-peace. They're the purveyors of tragedy. They're anti-peace. They can't provide peace so where do we go to get it is there a place is there a reservoir is there a person place or thing that we can obtain peace for our our souls and our minds and our bodies in other words can we have wholeness of peace and the only place where we can get that is through the lord jesus christ you already knew I was going to go there. I'm a minister of the gospel. So obviously that's where I had to go. Because the government can't provide it. We see what has happened as a result of just two days ago with the Roe uh, versus Wade decision. How the the Supreme Court overturned it after it being law, constitutional law for 49 years. And now it's been overturned and if you just take a few moments if you can even stomach it to go on Twitter the outrage, the anger that has ensued by those who are they say they're pro-choice but they're actually pro-abortion and they're actually for uh, killing unborn children so the outrage even Maxine Waters uh, here in Los Angeles is outraged by what the what, about, what, what what? six of the Supreme Court justices have done. So they're talking about violence. They're advocating violence. I mean, they're already burning and bombing uh, pro-life uh, uh, centers and clinics because of this decision. Because they feel that it's an assault on women's right to choose. So there's definitely no peace there. They're talking about mayhem. They're talking about uh, rebellion. They're talking about revolt and insurrection and and revolution and all of that stuff that's going to bring about more and more uh, mayhem. You know, I mean, Antifa's already marching the streets and talking about what they're going to do as far as violence because of this decision. So where do we, I mean, how do we obtain peace? Let me read to you what the word of God says in John's Gospel the 14th chapter and the 27th verse. All right? This is what it says. Jesus says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace. Listen to that. He says, "My peace I give to you not as the world give I give to you." Once again, that's John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 27. And in order to get a better definition of what Jesus is talking about, you have to define what peace is from a biblical point of view. And the Greek word for peace is a word, I believe it's pronounced Irene. The Hebrew word is Shalom. And it has several meanings. It's a broad broad term. It means wholeness, completeness, welfare, health, freedom from war, unharmed, prosperity. And then there are other meetings, I mean other meanings as well, but I just gave you a few to whet your appetite, to give you an idea. So Jesus is saying that I'm gonna give you wholeness, completeness, welfare, health, freedom from war, unharmed, prosperity, etc. Now it's very important for us to understand that when when Jesus says I'm leaving my peace that 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 is not the absence of conflict. That's not the absence of trouble in your life. So how is this peace different from what the world gives? The world cannot they not they can't provide peace. What what the world does is provide band-aids on problems. They can't get to the roots of the problem because they're not God and when you are the problem, how are you going to be the solution? You can't. Since the world is the problem, the solution has to come outside of the world, outside of the world system, in order to bring about peace. All right. So we're going to travel through the the scriptures and find out what God's peace is all about. Okay. so here's another scripture that I want to read. We're talking about peace once again, okay? Well, actually, I want to read uh, several scriptures, and I want to go to Ephesians chapter two. This is what it says, it says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, Christ Jesus, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. So, peace is in a person. It's personified. Peace, in that sense, is a pronoun. Alright? Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two so, making peace, okay, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were once afar off, and peace to those who were near. That's the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. So, that's the Apostle Paul. Talking to the Ephesian Church, when he was in prison, is one of his is one is what they call a, a prison epistle because he wrote it from prison in Rome, chained to a Roman guard. All right, and he wrote that letter to them, talking about how they were prior to Christ coming into their lives and saving them, and who they are now and what what they have now. They have peace with God because they're in Christ Jesus. So the peace that Jesus is promising is connected to salvation. So when a person does not have salvation, they are an enemy of Christ. They are not connected to him. There is hostility there. There is enmity there. There is wrath on that person. Remember what John the Baptist said in John chapter three, verse 36, he said that he that has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life, but the wrath of God abides on him or her. So without Christ, you you do not have peace. And so without him, you have nothing because the world cannot give you a lasting peace. It can give you maybe a temporary relief, a band-aid, an aspirin, some Tums, so to speak. But it cannot provide an abiding or an everlasting peace. So for those of us who are in Christ, who are sons and daughters of the Most High, we have peace despite what the world is throwing at us and what the world system is bringing us. We have an abiding peace that we know that once we leave this earth, this place of pain, that we will have everlasting peace, we will have everlasting bliss all the tragedies and all the pains that we're dealing with now will be in our forever past life, which currently is this life. Because there is an afterlife, of course. There's a life after this temporary life of pain. All right. So let's, let's, uh, I'm going to travel to real quick, the Old Testament. So I'm going to go to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, as a matter of fact. Isaiah chapter 9. Give me a moment and I'm going to travel there and I'm going to read what it says there. And the prophet Isaiah, who lived like roughly about 700 years before Christ came to the earth. This is what he had to say. He said, for to us a child shall be born, to us a son shall be given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A ruler of peace. All right, There shall be no end to the increase of his government of and of peace. And he shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From that time forward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. Will accomplish this. As Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. So Jesus Christ. Even way back. In the time of the prophet Isaiah. Had promised. That he would come. And that he would be the ruler. Or the prince of peace. Alright. So that's why Jesus could say. In John chapter 14 verse 27. He says. My peace is. I leave with you my peace. I give to you not as the world give give do I give it to you. In other words, the peace that the world offers, folks, is a false peace. It's a pseudo peace. It's a it's not going to provide a peace of the mind and of the soul which we so desperately need, especially in times like we're living in right now, which are terrible. But uh, it's going to get worse. It's going to get way worse. So, once again, in order to obtain this peace, one has to repent of sin and one has to trust in the substitu- substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ that he died to bring about our peace. All right. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace, this is very, very um, powerful. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so let me ask a question here. Who wants their mind... And their heart guarded by Christ Jesus. Anybody with half a brain would want that. Okay? This is what it says in Romans chapter 5. He says, We have peace with God because of our justification in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, I'm actually doing a comment. Let me read it to you. Let me read it. Give me a second. I'm going to read it. Romans chapter 5. Let's just go to the well here. Romans chapter 5. Traveling back to the New Testament again, of course. Romans 5. I'm going to go back. Let me go back to uh, the end of chapter 4. All right. Chapter 4. This is what it says. Start with verse 23. Now, not for his sake alone was was it written that it was credit to him, but for our sake also, to whom righteousness will be credited, and those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was betrayed and crucified because of our sins, and was raised from the dead because of our justification or our acquittal, absolving of all sin bef- before God. Now, I go into chapter five. the The narrative continues in chapter five verse 1 says therefore since we have been justified that is acquitted of sin declared blameless before God I'm reading from the amplified version of the Bible that's why it's very wordy alright therefore since we have been justified that is acquitted of sin declared blameless before God by faith let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with him through our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah the anointed alright So another very powerful verse that talks about peace with God. Who wouldn't want that? So in order to have tranquility, in order to have serenity, in order to have peace of mind, to have wholeness, to have completeness, we have to be in Christ Jesus because that is what he promised. The world can't promise you peace. They try to. They want to, but they can't. And as long as you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, then peace will never be yours. You may have some, some uh, periods where things are tranquil, things are really, really cool, and as we say, you're chilling and, and everything's good, but that's, that's, that's a quiet before the storm. And in this world, Jesus promised also that we would have tribulation. And that goes across the board, whether you are a believer or whether you're a non-believer. You're going to have problems because we're dealing with wickedness. Everywhere we turn, 24-7, 365, we're dealing with wickedness, meaning we're dealing with wicked people. And how are you going to have lasting peace with wicked people? I've I've already given you the prescription. I've already given you the solution to that problem. All right? So... Continuing on, let's see if we have any other scriptures that I want to cover regarding peace. Here's another one real quick. In first Peter chapter three verse eleven, it says that we are to seek after peace, seek after it and pursue it. In other words, we should be peacemakers, being that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and if we're going to emulate and mimic him, then we should also be peacemakers like he was a peacemaker. And so when he came, the Bible says he preached peace. And if you read in the book of Ephesians chapter six, and it talks about the armor of the believer, it talks about that our feet are supposed to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of what? Peace. So the gospel is our Weapon that we bring about to the world to bring about peace. Because once a person gets to the cross, they recognize that in order for me to have wholeness, in other other words, for me to be healed, I have to come to the cross. I have to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for my salvation. I have to stop trying to produce my own happiness independent of God and thinking that it's going to work. And one of the most powerful verses that just came to me Matt, is Isaiah chapter fifty-three. Gotta go there. We have to go there. All right. So Isaiah chapter fifty-three, you got it. This this is the gospel in encapsulated, the way I see it. Once again, the prophet Isaiah, being inspired by the Holy Spirit to to say what he's saying. These are not his words. These are the words that he declared to his generation, but they came from the Spirit of God. That's the person that gave him the words to speak. Here it is, starting with verse 5. These are some of the most powerful and most potent passages of Scripture dealing with the atonement of Christ. But he was wounded for our transgressions, our transgressions. he was crushed for our wickedness, or our iniquities. The punishment required for our well-being, or our peace, fell on him. Talking about Christ. And by his stripes, or wounds we are healed this is the whole world starting with verse 6 this is the whole world all of us like sheep have gone astray we have turned each one to his own way but the lord has caused the wickedness of us all our sin our injustice or our wrongdoing to fall on him verse 7 he was oppressed and he was afflicted and he did not open his mouth to complain or defend himself like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before his shears so he did not open his mouth after oppression and judgment he was taken away and for his generation his contemporaries who among them concerned himself with the fact that he was cut off from the land of the living is talking about his crucifixion his death for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke of death was due his grave was assigned with the wicked but he was rich He was with with the rich man in his death. He's talking about uh, Joseph of Arimathea, I believe, in John chapter 19. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet the Lord was willing to crush him, causing him to suffer. If he would give himself as a guilt offering and atonement for sin, he shall see his spiritual offspring, he shall prolong his days, and the will, good pleasure of the Lord shall succeed and prosper in his hand. And as a result of the anguish of his soul, he shall see it and be satisfied. I'll stop right there. So I read to you Isaiah chapter 53 verses 5 to 11. But it's it's a chapter that's rich in dealing with the atonement and the crucifixion and death of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. All in these few verses. All right. So, but it talked about in order for us to have peace, Christ had to die. In order for, in order for us as a as, as a sinful human race to have peace, Christ had to die. So it came at the price of his entire life. You can't give any more than your life, folks. That's it. So, in order for us to have peace, it came at the ultimate price. The Son had to die, and the Father sent the Son to die and to cause him to suffer. This was all planned by. God the Father, to send the Son to die so that you and I and everybody else that trusts in Jesus Christ's work on the cross could have peace. An everlasting peace. A peace that will not go away. Now, in order for us to, I believe, to to operate in this peace, to make it practical, that's just a promise. We have to pursue it, the Bible says. We have to seek after it. We have to do those things are going to bring about peace. That means we have to share the gospel of peace to other people because think about it. If more and more people get saved, the more and more peace this world will have. But when the gospel is suppressed or we fail to deliver it to those whom we have the opportunity to share it with, then mayhem is going to continue to prevail. Evil and wickedness will continue to prevail in our lives. So the more that people receives the gospel of peace the more peace we will have in our lives I mean it's pretty simple arithmetic there All right. so hopefully this message is inspiring it will provoke you to do your own research you will be like the noble Bereans in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 where it says they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so in other words they didn't even take the apostle Paul In Silas's word for what they said, they went back and they discriminated and they were diligent students and they checked things out to see if what they were saying was on point. And you have to do the same thing that you have to do that same thing with me or anyone that delivers to you the word of God. All right. God bless you in peace because we all need it and grace till next time.